Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to TGP, huh? The Generators Podcast. Look at me here, just all wires wrapped up. up. Come on, Trent, get together. Let's let's go. Um, yeah, what's going on, everybody? Hope things are good, and uh, this finds you well. Thanks for listening, and. Uh, yeah, man, it's, you know, it's another day in the world and we're all just trying to figure it out every single day, we're putting on masks, we're not putting on masks, it's six feet, that place is open, that place is not, stay over there, don't, who did you just cough, what was that, that's where we're living, that's the world we're in right now terrified all the time that's just waking up scared that's how that's what we're doing pretty much um yeah i don't know it's uh, we're opening back up here in calgary i mean restaurants coffee shops malls stores are open for the most part if businesses were fortunate enough to survive they're back open and uh it's starting to have some semblance of normalcy. Um, now, that being said, I mean, there are people, obviously, we're wearing masks and, again, six feet, and there's arrows at the grocery store, and people, by the way, still ignoring those, just blowing up a one-way street, just whatever, because I got to go look at soup. And I don't care that I'm coming upstream on everybody else, you know? Now, look, I get it. If you haven't been out of your house since this all went down, totally understand. Brand new set of rules. You're unawares. Okay? But I got to think some of you are just like, you know what? I don't care. I need soup and I can get out of here. And I don't care which way I'm going. You know? You're like those folks on a roundabout who do whatever the hell they want. That's the same people, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, anyway, the rest of us trying to abide by the uh, grocery store. And, uh, you know, department store rules of uh, which way you go down an aisle, up or down. And uh, we're doing the best we can to figure it out. I got out of the city this week. This is the first time since March that I got back when the tour abruptly ended. I uh, got back here early March. I don't know what it would have been, 8th or 9th or something. And uh, Saturday, I decided... Or sorry, no, Monday, sorry, Monday, I decided to drive out to Banff and Lake Louise. Get a little bit of nature in me, you know? Go see a tree, a deer, I don't know. Go out and see the lake, and uh, it was nice. I needed it. Long overdue. Even though it's only an hour and change away, I had not been out that way for uh, well over a year. So, uh it's weird, you know, I spent half the year in Halifax, so that rules that out. And then when I was back here last spring and summer, I did not venture out that way for some reason. So uh, just like that, over 12 months, gone. So it was good to get back out there and walk around. And, uh, you know, it wasn't crowded or anything. There was a few people out and about. Most of the stores were open and different things that are out there, little restaurants. And uh, Main Street now is closed off to traffic, and they just have... You know, tents out there and little areas for people to sit. It's kind of extensions of the restaurant. So uh, 
I kind of like it, but I think they should keep it that way. You know, let people, you don't need to be driving down that main street of like three blocks. There's no point of having cars go down that road. So make, uh, make the cars go around the other two roads and use those instead of that main drag. Boom. There you go. Trent McClellan from Mayor Banff. Um, I'm running. I'm going to put, uh, and one of my goals as, as someone who's running for the position of mayor of Banff is I want to have some wildlife on town council. I think, you know, in a place where we're putting wildlife first, how come they have no representation? And I think I would be honored to sit in the council chambers with a grizzly on my left and a uh, white-tailed deer on my right to speak to the, the plight of, uh, of both their species. All right, well, that's enough foolishness. Let me set up this, uh, <laughs> this episode of the podcast. This is momentous because this is the first time I've had a returning guest on my podcast. We are well over 50 episodes, I do believe, and uh, I have asked someone to return to join me, and that person is Mr. Rory Scoville. And uh, I like talking to people I've never met. It's always always a great time. But I also love speaking to people who are friends of mine. And what I liked about this conversation was this was literally just two guys catching up. That's what this was. It was, hey, man, how have you been? How is this treating you? And uh, we just talk about life and where we are in the world and the craziness that is uh, upon us at this moment. So that's what you're going to hear in this episode is my basically two friends <laughs> catching up and, and talking about our philosophies about life for the most part. And, uh, for those of you who don't know, Rory, incredibly funny and unique comedian. He's, um, there's no one like him in terms of what he does on stage. Um, a great actor as well. He was in the movie with, uh, with Amy Schumer, I Feel Pretty. He was her her love interest in that movie and uh, did a fantastic job and now has a uh, special or a new show on uh, YouTube called Robbie, which uh, he has produced and has uh, stars in and his wife Jordan also uh, is in as well and they're all fantastic and really, really good. And I watched a couple episodes. It's really funny and a, and a great show and I'm proud of him because... It's one thing to get roles, obviously, on shows, and, and that's hard enough, but to actually have an idea and have a character and then have a show formulated and built around that and have people believe in you enough to, to help you do that is a big deal in this day and age. And so um, I, uh, I'm really proud of him for, for, uh, for getting that thing done and putting it out there because that's success in its own. It's just, it's just getting something made you know, these days with... Uh, with everything that's going on. So uh, um, uh, it was great for, for me to see that. Um, so yeah, that's this episode, myself and Rory Scoville, and uh, sit back and enjoy two friends catching up. That's basically what this is. That's it. Clubs here in the States are like... Open it up. Yeah, I... Uh, I saw that Dusty Slay had performed in, uh, I think, Addis, the Addison Improv just outside Dallas. And I I haven't looked into it, but I, I don't know that they were doing 
any limited capacity. Wow. I, Just yeah, I, I, uh, genuinely, I would be so concerned. <laughs> yeah, like, I couldn't imagine the, I mean, I, I know Dusty's a smart guy. I don't know. Uh, I, I personally wouldn't be able to get on stage just yet no. uh but yeah i mean the my best shot at getting on stage is limited capacity spread out and even then i'm like i don't know <laughs> i know well but like you got to think about i think about stuff like at least a comedy club you can have a flexible setup of tables and chairs and you can move stuff around yeah but if you operate a soft seat theater right now what like what are you how is how are you going to navigate that how are you going to seat people? What's the seating arrangement going to be like? Massive spread out. You got to do like every 10 seats or whatever it would be. I don't know. It's, it's absolutely crazy. What I was going to say to you, um, first of all, welcome. Good to see you. It's been a long Thank time. Thank you so much. It's been way too long. I see you that you still have uh, the, uh, you know, for the listeners, we're on a Zoom call and, and uh, everything I see in the background behind Trent is stuff I've sent him as gifts over the years. And I just, it's good to see that he's still... I look, like, I look like a college student who's like, yeah, just putting a few things up in my dorm. My roommate's <laughs> an ass. Shut up. Shut up, Daryl. Shut up. Yeah, that was my pizza. That was my pizza. Don't touch it. Sorry, dude. It Sorry. was. Well, that's why we have the different colored <laughs> stickers to go on different food items in the fridge. So you're doing well. You, you sound like you're, uh, you're in good spirits. Did you go through, most people I've talked to have gone through like waves of real good days of man i got this like okay there's light at the end of the tunnel and other days where it's just dark despair what is happening in the world is ending has that been your ride or how have you been you know i don't i think i am already a little bit of a uh i think i'm a little bit already of like a global pessimist anyways that as soon as something looks like the wheels are coming off i assume the whole thing's going to explode so i like I'm already in like, oh, we're never going to be able to get food again. I, I, and, and it is something I'm trying to like work on is my panic mode because I definitely don't want to ever spread that panic. Uh, so I try to spread, you know, actual information that people can like absorb to be like, all right, this will maybe prevent the danger. Um, but I, ha I don't know that it's ever gotten so uh, bad. I think I've been uh, fortunate enough in the... Uh, I've been fortunate enough to to be on the road so much ever since I met you that I, I, I feel like that's just been this ongoing ride that I've been on that to fi actually finally be home and like spend time with my daughter and get to see what it's like to be here a lot is something I've always wanted, but not realistic to really, you know, pump the brakes on your career like that. So it kind of took, unfortunately, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, but you know, in trying to find the silver lining, that's kind of mine during all of this is like, oh, there's stuff I've wanted to do at home. Mm -hmm. I haven't really loved my diet. I haven't loved my health. I haven't loved the fact that I, I discard like exercises towards better mental health. I don't like that I don't do that stuff, but I'm such a, uh, you know, procrastinator that I put it all off. And now this time has made me kind of confront it. And, you know, it's kept me busy, I think. Yeah, I was the same way where I, because I had a tour coming out of our show. Our show wrapped on the 28th of February. Yeah. I was supposed to do 22 or 23 shows. Do you shows. do that in Toronto or do you do that in Calgary? We're in Halifax, actually. On the oh, East okay. Coast. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
So I started dates there, like in Atlantic Canada, and then I was going to work my way across. So once this, I got four shows in, and then um, the tour got, that was it, it was yeah. done. Yeah. So I was kind of like, not relieved, but in a way I went, okay, I have to accept this pause because I was tired. Like I was starting a tour, and I was already tired. And I was like. I mean, if you were shooting that much, I mean, it's like. Yeah. It drains you. It really drains you. So part of me was like, maybe this is the universe stepping in and going like, all right, dude. You're going to crash anyway, so I'm going to create this thing that no one sees coming, okay? <laughs> and you're welcome. You owe me big time. And I, I think yeah. you're right. I didn't need it to go that far. I just needed a bit of a pause, you know, like yeah. a couple of weeks. So it would have been good. But anyway, here we are. But uh, so I think, I, but I did go through those doldrums of like all hope and despair, like just full of despair. And then I got into a bit of a routine. Same thing, drinking more water, going for yeah. walks, going for runs, and just creating some kind of structure really helped me a lot. Yeah. yeah, I think the, the structure is key because we kind of don't realize it that we do have a pretty regular structure with just even if you're getting spots randomly throughout the week to just work on something, that's still a structure. It's still a goal. It's still something to work towards no matter when it's going to pop up. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of uh, probably darkness for people because you kind of have to concoct what is the thing that's going to pop up? What am I looking forward to? And it has to be completely self-generated. Uh, right. And I kind of like it because I look forward to, you know, I could be doing shows, you know, let's say I was doing shows with you in Calgary and I was, I was looking forward to it. But while I'm doing it, I'm already looking forward to the next thing because in our careers, you know, we have to be three months kind of ahead of the game, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. And what I hate about that is I, I feel like we often don't get to ever live in the, the moment of, you know, it, it's funny. And I only bring this up because I know that you, you play as well, but it's so funny when it came to soccer, I was, it was so easy to live in the moment and celebrate the game. We just won. And I never, ever looked forward to the next thing. Yeah. Maybe because there was so much practice and fitness before the game would come that when the game finally arrived, it felt like such a fun gift to have mm -hmm. that I really could live it. And then if we won, it was like, Oh, really celebrate this. Cause we might lose the next one. So like right. really be here now, but stand up is it, it doesn't have the same structure to it to where I can really go, Oh, I'm having fun. You know, and not so much on stage. I think on stage is its own place and we go into our heads and we're there. Uh, and it's seldom such an autopilot that we're, we don't enjoy it. I don't think that's the case. But it's almost like as soon as it's over, it's already like, oh, did I, have I covered my bases for July? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, I know. It's so true. It's like I, I felt like with this whole pause, that if you had any level of anxiety with regards to anything, this, like you're right, the ability not to no longer be able to fill it with noise and activity and all sorts of things, you just have to sit in it and be yeah. still and quiet and think. And like, that's a rough time for a lot of people. Like if you're not used to doing that, like what am I doing with my life? And do I need to live here? And you know what I mean? Like you just start, everything that you just were on autopilot before, now everything is like, no, no, think about every single thing that you're doing because now you've got to make an effort to do it all. Yeah. And, um, and I agree that whole being in the moment thing, unless you learn to embrace that, it was, it was, uh, it's tough times for people because there is I, no yeah. thing on the agenda. There is nothing on the horizon, you know? 
it's the being in the moment is sitting and sitting still like the stillness and like the listening um i i do think and i and this comes from a a a privileged place to go oh i'm gonna take this time to work on myself i i that is i'm coming from a privileged place of i've had a weird job for 16 years and i didn't get paid at that job for a very long time so when i started getting paid I, you know, and I also wasn't born into money. So I like save money. So I'm able to, to take this time during this and not panic about money and work because we have weird jobs Mm -hmm. and, and because, and, you know, thankfully we didn't get paid for a long time. And so when you finally walk off the edge of the cliff and you go, I think I'm going to commit to full-time performance. I don't know. You just become someone who, hopefully, you become someone who's a little bit better at saving because you don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from, and you don't you yeah. don't know which paycheck you're going to have to argue to to just get and to get the right amount. Yeah. Um, how many so emails do I have to send? How many emails exactly. do I have to send? Exactly. <laughs> yes. So I so I in this moment I I know that I I know that what kind of what we're talking about stems from from that, and I, I my heart breaks for everyone that that is in a different place, uh, but. I, I think we can all realize that we can we can only speak to our own experiences in in something like this. And and my personal experience is that I need to be better at stillness. I need to be better at listening, not just to other people. Uh, and I, I say this all the time because I it was a quote from Fight Club, but uh, I, I hate that a lot of times. Uh, I, again like that's an immature me that i've slowly worked on throughout my life and it's it's now in this moment that i feel like i'm seeing how to really do it and i'm i think it's because i'm really seeing the 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 genuine benefit of of listening and how much work it takes away from you <laughs> to yeah, just yeah. to listen you know yeah no i totally agree and i feel like the benefit of this for me and being still with all this stuff is that the good thing is I've realized I don't need a lot of things to be happy. Like all the things I thought I needed to be chasing and I got to go do this and whatever. If you take it all away from me, I'm like, Oh, I'm a person outside of being a comedian or, you know, I'm an actor on the show or whatever. Like it's take it all away. You have nothing left. You're right. You're just left with who you are ultimately as a person. And I was like, I'm learning to, to be okay with that and that, you know, there's, there is more to life than setting goals and achieving these other things. So that's been refreshing in a way. It's kind of unsettling because you're like, well, do you just sit in this pocket forever? It's like, <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> but I'm also like, oh, okay. There is a, you can boil things down to just, you know, because we've been living in this world for a long time and you're right. You always have to think about the next gig and what's the next project and what's going on a year from now. Yeah. And, uh, that's, it's, it's impossible to be in the moment in that yeah. environment. And also I, I feel like, uh, you and I were born into a time of, uh, you know, consumerism really like becoming like a bigger thing. I mean, it's been a growing beast for so long, but when you think back and I have no clue what the fifties, you know, were like in terms of like a family or how people were. But when I, when I think of what the fifties must've been like, or the sixties, I don't think about consumerism. I really feel like people had gardens in their house and they really, you know, they, people still had like traditional 
you know, nine to five jobs or whatever they were doing, but it wasn't like, yeah, well, I go to my job because I want to make sure I can buy, 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 buy. Right. And I feel like we we were born into the mentality of a, of a generation that, that's, that we've only been in that. We've only known that. And it's great to get pulled out of it and go, oh, great, I got off the drug. You know, every time you buy something for yourself, uh, you know, or even for someone else, you know, you get that little drug in your brain that makes you feel good. But we all know the older you get, you go, oh, that drug is not, it doesn't last very long. Yeah. And now you're spending more money than the drug. It's like a really bad <laughs> drug deal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you never feel satisfied. It's always, yeah. it's always like, I think I thought about that actually as well. I was watching television. I don't watch a ton of TV, but I was like sitting watching and some advert came up for, you know, a new car. And I'm like, you know, that whole concept of you're not enough yet. You need this thing. Yes. You've worked hard your whole life. This car tells you who you are as a person when you drive it. Like all this shit. And I'm, I'm like, that's a tough sell right now when people are like, money's limited. I don't have a job anymore. Um, yeah, I'm not buying that shit anymore. I don't need, I don't need, <laughs> yes. I don't need the, the Dodge Ram or whatever it is. Yeah. Like that, it doesn't, none of that stuff means anything. Right. It's lost its power. You know what I mean? I mean, look at like clothing and stuff. I mean, I've been waking up and I I don't know that I've worn, you know, outside of maybe four shirts that I've rotated. And I've just looked at my closet and I got rid of a lot of dress clothes and some suits that I had because I was like, I don't even wear these. To, I don't know what I even need these for. No and one invites me to something nice. They know I'm a <laughs> They know I'm Big Ben from Charlie Brown. <laughs> and, you, and you would not have had that moment. Like, you would not have had that pause, like, where you yeah. would have walked into your closet and asked that question, unless yeah. all this stuff would have happened. You would have been racing off to do more spots. You would have been on tour somewhere. You would have been on a set. You would have been writing something. Yeah. It's like we're forced to be still and look around your environment and go, what am I? Am I ever going to play the guitar? Like, how long am I? Like, I, right. I, bought, a, I bought a guitar two years ago. And I like noodled with it a little bit and then I just left it. And finally I was like, I don't have any more bullshit excuses to not pick up that guitar. <laughs> yeah, I got to sell this thing or I got to play it. I got to like, do one of the two. Like clearly I don't want to play it. Like if yeah. I don't play it now, yeah. this yeah. is clearly I'm not meant to play it or have no interest. Like there's no more yeah. bullshit excuses to give. But doesn't that feel, it's so, it, and, and talking about like this awakening of like your own personal awakening of like when, it is like oh i have this guitar learn it i bought it it's right. like then probably sell it because and you get to a point where you just accept where you go oh i i don't really want to know how to play it and that's totally fine because yeah. <laughs> i'm like that i'm like that about so many so many things and like whenever we see other comics or other artists or actors like doing something like I'm trying to get out of the the mind frame of seeing somebody and go oh fuck I want to do that too and going just enjoy someone doing it and do what you're gonna do quit and it's not a I don't think it's an unhealthy jealousy it's a it's a motivating right uh jealousy that I heard Pat Oswalt talk about forever ago you know, using jealousy as like a map. And I totally agree with it. Eventually you get out of the jealousy of like, I want it and no one gets it. And then you mature into going, all right, I want it, but it's also great if everyone else can have it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, even now, and I, and this comes up because I, 
I've been watching Duncan Trussell's show on Netflix, The Midnight Gospel. And man, I, not only has that show been like, it, immediately I go, oh, fuck, this would be so fun to do. And my brain goes, Rory, this isn't what you do. So just watch <laughs> it with an open mind as an audience member and participate the way you're supposed to participate with this show. Right. And, and I got to mm-hmm. say, like in, in talking about the despair and stuff. I, th- that show, I don't know if you've seen it, but no, I, haven't. I haven't seen it. It is incredible. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. It has helped my anxiety in general, but also during this quarantine time to just kind of like decompress, take a deep breath, sit back and not allow these things we don't control in our imaginations to, to stretch towards fear of, of, certain things I, you, if anyone any of the listeners have checked it out they know exactly what i'm talking about but you know it's it's him it's his podcast animated and he's okay. having these very deep philosophical conversations the animation going on around them doesn't necessarily correlate and it's so it's such absurd great acid trip animation while talking about what happens when we die and it's so wonderful i love it i should watch that yeah i want to check that out it's funny too because my dog has been a lifesaver in this whole situation too, because dogs, of course, the world is the same to them right now. They're like, I don't know, man, I got to use the bathroom outside and I need you to feed me. And then we're going to yeah. go to bed. Right. So nothing has changed in his world. Yes. And I don't know if this is going to make sense, but so I'm walking him a couple of days ago. And before like we went on the walk, it was like, it was his walk, but it's my walk. Like if you stop, you're kind of annoying me. Like, let's go, like, let's keep yeah. going. So, a couple of days ago, he stops, he's sniffing something. And my initial reaction was like to go, let's go. And then I went, I stop and I look up and there's like, the sun is setting through the trees. A Canada goose flies by. I'm like, I wouldn't have seen any of that before. I would have been <laughs> right. like, would you come on? Like, dude, we could, like, as if I had to be somewhere. Like, <laughs> right. He's forced me to now go like, dude, slow down there's nothing there's a, a whole universe happening right here yes I'm still transfixed on all this other shit that i i'm in my head about a joke i gotta do or i gotta make this phone call and it's forced me now to go like look at how the dog just just sits and goes look at this shit isn't this, isn't this yeah. yeah so like, zen yeah yeah like totally yeah. Because they're totally in the moment at all times. They've always been that way. They don't yes. know the future or what happened today or yesterday. Like, yes. So I was like, I'm starting to live more like my dog is what I feel like. You know? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, it's that slowing down and it's that like figuring out. Like I, our, uh, we've lived on this property here for almost four years. And our landlord, uh, he passed away about a month ago, which was shocking and traumatic and tragic. It, it was the worst thing that, that's happened uh, not only just inside quarantine, but just insane general. It's very much part of our family. Sure but is. for the for the first two months of this of this quarantine since March 14th, you know, we found ourselves in the mid yard of these of this property where his place in the back and we're at the front, having like coffee in the morning and sitting in these chairs, and we would chat for like two hours. And my daughter would like run around, and I. I was like, oh, this is so nice. And then all I thought the whole time was like, the only thing that's prevented this from just being how we are is this illusion of this to-do list. And and kind of in, in keeping it all thematic in what we're discussing here, I, I've tried to, I even said this to my landlord one day, he, I was in the garage. The thing that separates our two properties is this uh, sort of perpendicular to the houses, a uh, three-car 
garage that are just for storage and stuff. And they're old school, like lift the door up your, the, the, the door up yourself type thing. And so ours, we have like a freezer in it. we like store stuff and we have a lot of painting stuff. So sometimes I'll just be working on painting and he walked out of his garage and I was standing, just walked out of mine and he had said something about like, he's like, do you feel guilty that you're not, you're not getting to this other stuff that you, that you feel like you're supposed to do each day. And I was like, I did. And I have my whole life. I felt so guilty about this fucking to-do list of things that you just, you got to do and you got to get to. And I, I understand, you know, there's things that you, you set up, you know, like, like us doing this at this time. It's like, well, that you can't just put that off. It's a thing that you, you agree on and you do it. Right. But I was like, I have so many things on my to-do list that it just feels so good to free myself of the responsibility or the guilt of being like, well, I can't, I really got to get to this thing. It's like, or what if in your life, the story is that you didn't get to that thing and you didn't do that thing. And I'm like, what, who cares? As long as you're not letting down people down and you're not, you know, discount, discounting your, your responsibilities, who cares if you if you didn't fix this one thing yet or you didn't do this not to be a lazy piece of shit obviously but you you know what i mean it's like freeing yeah. yourself of saying well you know what? suddenly i felt like painting a picture it's like right. well then don't give yourself a reason as to not do that like go do it your your soul is saying go take yeah. some of this medicine it's funny because i used to work at boys and girls club before i started doing stand-up and I had one of those days I was a coordinator and I was running off to meetings and getting back to my club and there's kids going around, whatever. And I remember I had this to-do list for the day. And I remember midway through the day, I go like, and I am like, I haven't done none of this stuff. Like none, nothing's even crossed off the list. I'm just putting on fires all day. And I was voicing my concerns to the, to our um, administrative to just a, To just a four-year-old kid. Yeah. Just a four-year-old kid. And they're just like... <laughs> And they're like, what are taxes? <laughs> can, I have a, can I have a popsicle or not? And I'm like, you know, you're a horrible listener. And uh, so they were suspended for two weeks because listening's a big part of our programming, Rory. And also we don't have popsicles. They know that. They know that. I told her yesterday, we don't make popsicles here. We're on a budget. So, uh, so I voiced my concerns to the administrative assistant. And she's like, you know, I've been in that, that job forever. And she looks at me and she goes, Trent, she's like, have you ever thought about writing down the stuff that you did get accomplished instead of you started with a list and here's a list of your failures that you didn't get to? What about writing down what you actually did do, which were probably not yeah. on that list that you just added to it. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's actually makes me feel like I'm productive now and that I'm not missing the mark on all these other things, but we you get see that. the results. Yeah. And you're just in that wheel all the time of chasing, chasing, chasing. And uh, it's stressful because you never ever feel it satisfied you never feel like right. you accomplished anything at all like and now like you know you're a husband you you're a dad you have to get to your spots you're trying to produce things it's like when do you finally get to feel like yeah okay i'm i'm crushing that i did i feel fulfilled in that in that category it's hard to find yeah yeah i also find i, I pile stuff up too much where it's like yeah. before i complete the one thing i've been latched onto three other things and it's one thing when it's a sort of a maintenance issue with like just to do stuff around the house or errands you got to run like that's it's that's its own thing and that stuff only piles up as it needs to but in the world of and I, I bet you deal with this all the time too where it, in where our job you know a lot of it is hinged on us remaining in this state of creativity because we're constantly doing sales pitches 
Mm-hmm. Um, until until you are just a guaranteed box office hit, you're constantly having to pitch why you're good for the job. <laughs> uh, yeah. And in stand up, you know, at least you know you go on stage and you go, ah, oh, we sold tickets, but you're still kind of doing a sales pitch. It just gets better because you're starting to do the sales pitch for people that already know they kind of really love the product. Right. <laughs> so the, yeah. that sales pitch gets easier. But acting, you're kind of all until you're like some like proven you know money asset to whoever they then you're always like trying to 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 prove yourself so staying in the state of creativity means you know oh me and trent decided we were going to work on a script and then i had two other buddies that are like man we should write this sketch and i'm like yeah we should and i say yes and i say yes and i say yes and then i look back and i go man trent and i haven't even started that script (laughs) from a month ago and then I just go, I guess I'll just never do any of it. Like, you know, I, I wish I'm trying to get better at just saying to finding the one thing and going, all right, until I finish this script with Trent, I'm not doing another thing unless someone's like, Hey, I need you for a day to be in something. I'm like, okay, great. But I'm not creating anything until I create the one thing. And boy, that has been a that has been something I've dealt with for 10 plus years for sure. And I'm trying to like even get better at it now. Like, you know, it's sort of in think about it being quarantined in a way at the Blackfoot Inn uh, is the only reason that Casey and I and everybody made that, you know, that, that stupid web series, the apartment. I'm like, Oh, you know, you, the, the usual me says this would be funny to do. And then I never do it. I never deliver, but because of the fact that we were there and there wasn't somewhere else to be, we actually finished it. Um, there's something to to that. I don't know why I threw that in, but that made me realize like, oh, that's the only reason we completed that that web series because we had nowhere else to go. Well, that's the fine line too of, of the planning and the thinking about it and we got to get people together and there should be a meeting and all that stuff as opposed yes. to like, let's just do it. Like, let's shoot it this afternoon. And, and yeah. people are like, whoa, 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 Carl's got a camera and my friend Lindsay would be great in this thing. And like, we start putting obstacles in the way when really it's like, you could shoot this tomorrow morning, right? Like you really yes. could. And I find there's always that balance of wanting something to be really good, but also that can be a, a chameleon in a disguise for just bullshitting yourself in fear, right? Of like, well, no, now it's not a good time because I got this other thing. It's like, okay, is that real? Or are you just kind of running from the work you know you're supposed to do? You know, and I feel exactly. as a creative, that's hard because we always have to chase the next thing. And people ask us to collaborate all the time. And then do you say yes? Do you say no? And if you say yes, can you really commit to do it? Or are you just saying yes because it's easy in the moment to say, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, here's my, here's my question. Let's say you have $10 million. So now you eliminate the need to do it for financial gain. Let's just say 10 million to, to put out a number that's like ridiculously high. You clearly are doing it for the pleasure. Right. Do, do you, I, I've always wondered this philosophically, do you think having that makes it easier to focus on the one thing because you really could in some ways just fuck off with so many errands or so many things and just go, you know what, I'm Trent. I'm fucking David Lynch. I wear the same clothes every day. I'm covered in paint. I roll around in dirt for fun. I'm a, I'm a zany artist. 
don't even talk to me till I finish this short film I've been talking about. And is it because you're like, because no matter what, I have $10 million. <laughs> I think, like, it seems great on paper, but I think right. when people know you have $10 million, then that door opens up. So now it's like... Producer money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Rory, look, man, we've known each other a long time. Look, I need to get this thing off the ground. So now you're just taking offers all day from people and like, oh, God, okay, is that a, yeah. that's another yeah. offer to... Uh, get, you know, so... I don't know if it ever ends, regardless of what your financial situation is. That's a good question. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. I, that, that's a good answer that I, who knows if it ever ends. <laughs> you know? And so at the end of the day, it's going to reflect on you to like either have your shit together and know what you can say yes to and what you stand for. Because the world outside is always going to come knocking. Like, it's like yeah. cell phones, right? Like starting your day by picking up your cell phone and just letting the, world, letting the world in right Take away. Take your soul. <laughs> It's not even letting the world in. It's the world taking your soul away yeah. from you. It's looting your house. It's like, if you know, you so hard, I know it. I know <laughs> I it know. too. When I wake up and I look at my phone, I go, don't Rory, Don't just put it back on the nightstand. Don't even look at it for like four hours. Yeah. No way. There's no there's, way. There's, well, there's just people, no way. There's people who put their cell phones in another room. They're like, they buy, they buy an old school alarm clock. And if they have to get up, they use that so that Gross. it's not even in the room. <laughs> exactly. So now they're just checking their clock every morning. Oh, God. Oh, uh, good. What's going on in the world? Still numbers. Wi-Fi, huh? 12. <laughs> um, so it's, but I'm like, I think I should probably try that. Like, just go back to old school, the windy, like, eh, eh, and then. You know what, what I was going to do? Right before uh, I, I bought the new iPhone 11. This is when I, I lied to myself and everyone that I told I was going to do this. I was just going to get a flip phone. I was going to get a landline. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be like landline, but mainly emails. Like landline just for like friends and family, yeah. not for like any work stuff. All work stuff has to go to email. Uh, and just have a flip phone for basically emergencies or, you know, if people can hit me up that way. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get away from the smartphone. I'm going to get away from the addiction, from the Instagram, from Twitter, from all the things that suck so much of my day and so much of my attention and steer my emotions in directions I don't want to go. Um, and then I, I still ended up buying this goddamn iPhone, <laughs> iPhone 11, <laughs> but I wanted to go went, down the road. Went the other way on that one, huh? Went I went the opposite. <laughs> I went literally the opposite direction of the, and I was talking up a big game too. People were like, you're not going to do it. And I was like, fuck you. Watch this. But I wanted that. I wanted like the digital clock in the room. I wanted to be like, yeah, no need to charge. I don't have to charge my flip phone because those batteries last for five years without recharging now. It's a car battery. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. All it has to do is make sure I can text and, and make calls on like a, a, sh a shitty green screen thing. Do you uh, think if you did that, if you think you went flipped, because here's the argument, right? You go to flip phone yeah. and you could make an argument that a number of things are going to happen. So you're going to feel better mood wise. You won't have the same stimulus and people coming at you. You'll probably be more productive. That could be the argument. But I think there's proof of that people from like, you know, in the early 1900s or the late 1800s who are like still doing the same quotes about if I only had more time, you know, like, so it's like, <laughs> are we living such a comfortable life in a lot of ways where we don't have to go kill food and grow crops 
that were like, yeah, but now I got this device that's just eating up all my time. Whereas they're like, no, no, I have to not get malaria. Like I have to, I have to go, no. I have to go kill a chicken and then I have to make fire. I have to actually go get wood and I have to keep me like, I think there's always been the distractions regardless of what era you live in. So it all yeah. comes back down to your mindset of what do you prioritize? What do you value? And yeah. can you keep the other things at bay? I think, well, I think that I, I think you're, I think you're spot on. I think the real task is learning uh, for yourself personally, what makes things seem like time is flying and what makes things, makes things seem like time is slowing down because, you know, thinking about Einstein's discovery of like time being relative is so just that sentence is so incredibly profound because there are those times where like, you know, when quarantine started, it was like, Oh my God, we're only on day five. And then just, just last night I was talking to my friend Gilbert and he was saying, doesn't it feel like time is starting to like speed up again? And I was like, yeah, it, it really, it really does. I can pinpoint, you know, this is a, tr a tragic example, but when our landlord passed away, that was a month ago, this Thursday night. And I cannot believe that a month, a month, 30 days worth of time sits in between those two moments where the first two weeks of quarantine felt like uh, 30 days. And I, I, I think a lot of it is just, it's our perception. It's learning how to control our perception of, of time. And, and I, I think we have that ability to slow, you know, not physically slow time down, but the best you can do is slow down your perception of the pace yes. that time is, uh, is going. I mean, you know, a, uh, just because these are, are, are somewhat close, but if someone said watch an entire, uh, you know, the entire, an entire hockey match feels so different lengthwise, not actual lengthwise, but like from a soccer match, yeah, and they're not so wildly, uh, they're not so wildly different. They're kind, with the halftime of soccer, of real soccer match, mm -hmm. you are kind of looking at roughly the same thing, yeah. but yet a soccer match, given what it what you're looking at and how the ball moves and how it's a slower game, gives you the feeling that it's so much longer and you're spending so much more time right. watching it. But that's not. Uh, that's really not the case. It's just the perception of what you're seeing. Hockey moves so quickly. So you just have the, it's just instinctual. Like, oh, time is flying. I mean, think about when your team is down one goal, every sport seems, well, you know, the sports where it'd be a goal, but let's say soccer and hockey, where you would be like, oh, it's, there's no time left. It's like five minutes is moving so quickly. It's like, yes, but everyone who's cheering for the team that has the lead feels like that slowly. five minutes is taking way too long. <laughs> I know, I know. And, I, and I don't it's know how you, time. yes. Yeah. And it's the exact same thing, meaning that there is, if you can control the perception of the pace and I, you know, kind of going back is to me, it is, it comes down to like that listening and sitting and not thinking it's your, in your mind, you know, you're going to age at the, at the pace that you age. And I think we probably both agree. Doesn't it seem like years are getting 
lightning fast. Like you get to your birthday again and you're like, Oh man, I, I, you know, I already remember my last birthday so vividly because it feels like it was four months ago. And it's like, no, it's actually three times that amount of time. I know. And like, I think about the concept of a week, like a week is a joke and there's only 52 of them in a year. So I'm like, it's Monday again. Like you're like, we only do this 52 times. You know what I mean? And it feels like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're into June next week. I'm like, what did I do on New Year's Eve? Like yeah. New Year's Eve was like, you know what I mean? Like it's like we're starting our sixth month. I'm just, it is. I think as you get older, I think too, because we, we fill our stuff or fill our days with stuff to do and we're thinking down the road all the time. Whereas when you're a child, you're so in the moment, the time just goes on forever. You don't even, I remember when yeah. we'd have summer holidays and all of a sudden my, my grandmother would go, it's time for us to go school shopping for clothes. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like I had no concept of summer ending. It was just like every day you rode your bike, yeah. you played soccer, you played baseball. I didn't know what time was. It just felt like it went yeah. on forever yeah. because I was so in the moment all the time. We're not in the moment. So time feels like it's just always moving and we never have enough of it. You know? Yeah. And even when she goes, time to go school shopping, you go, ah, but wait, there wasn't enough time. And yet there was, because before someone gave you that information, you thought you had forever. You, <laughs> just, thought, you were like, oh, every day is so great. <laughs> exactly. But as soon as someone told you it was ending, you're like, fuck, it just, what? it went in the blink of an eye. I just got started. I just got that's started. What, that's what kills me about it too, is like that, that, that perception of it is as well, where I think we do ourselves a disservice and yet I don't know what a solution would be, but I think we do ourselves a disservice because we label time so specifically, whereas we already go, ah, but it's Monday again. But if Monday didn't exist, as it technically doesn't, (laughs) whereas these are just days that are moving in a straight line as opposed to a circle, uh, it's just going. If we looked at it differently, we would maybe feel so... Uh, differently about it. I keep thinking about that with the moon where so many people in history used to track time uh, the, over, you know, us just knowing the, the, not only just the path of a moon, the stages of the moon leading up to a full moon, then a new moon. Like that was such a thing for civilizations to calculate kind of where they were. Like, I feel like their perception of time started with that and there's a part of me, it's like, if you only had that and you had to keep waiting for a full moon, you would constantly be like, it takes forever for yeah. the moon to be full again. Yeah. But yet every time someone goes, hey, do you know it was a full moon tonight? You're like, I thought we just had one last week. And you're like, yeah, it does seem that way because you didn't look at the moon every single night and go, okay, that's where it's at. Okay, so it's going to get here. It's going to do this. Like, that's, that, that's just one thing in my head of being like, all right, how can I... If, if I wait for a full moon, does that make me think the month is slower than it is? I tell you what's really blew my mind is I started uh, like meditating a couple of years ago and uh, the concept of like just being quiet and focusing on your breathing for say two minutes. If you told me to watch television for two minutes, two minutes would be like, like it's, it's a blink. Yeah. If you tell me to be quiet and focus on breathing in and out for two minutes, that will feel like half an hour. Like it's just yeah. because there's no stimulus to fill up our brains with and we're forced to just be still. And yeah. that blew my mind. I was like, oh, I'm filling my time with stimulus the whole time. That's, that's maybe that's what it is then. Maybe that's what controls the perception is the stimulus. And here we are, we have reached 
you know, I, I don't think we've reached peak anything, who knows, but we're definitely at a state of literally any type of stimulus you want, your phone can hear you talk about it with a friend and then bombard you with every type of that thing or telling you to buy a thing to be stimulated. And when you do all that, especially, you know, I think that's why I watch less TV because it, you know, I, I don't know that I'm so stimulated by so many things, but it, it, is, it is true that suddenly you watch an episode of something. Hey, let's take, for example, this Midnight Gospel show. You, I watch an episode. It's so easily digestible and great that then I, you know, my wife and I, we watch another episode. And then pretty soon you're like, oh, we just watched three episodes. And oh, my God, it's been an hour and a half. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, granted, I wouldn't take it back because I want to consume that product anyways. But you look and you go, oh, my God, it was an hour and a half. And my perception of that was that it's been, and that's a testament to how good the show is. But there's a part of you, it's like, oh, I thought it's been like, 20 minutes i mean that's why in stand-up it's like you hit minute 60 to get off stage and people are like ah, i feel like he's only been up there 20 minutes it's like well you can't do better than that if someone thinks you've only been up there 20 minutes you've been up there an hour you just yeah. slaughtered yeah well that's what i mean but you're both in both instances the audience is being filled with stimulus the whole time when you're watching that television show you're taking in stimulus the whole time the whole time and so it's 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 flying it's just kind of everything's been every moment's been filled with something you know Maybe it's emptying everything out. Maybe that's what it is. It's like, like that's why you always hear it. Focus on your breath. And not only does that, that just distracts your mind in such a way that it empties it out. I was fasting. I tried fasting. When all this started, I fasted for one full day just to try it out. It's something I've always wanted to try, but I never did it. Um, And I've read about the health benefits. I was like, you know what? I'm going to fast. We also... This is early on in quarantine when truthfully the food situation was kind of crazy out here. And I was just like, are we not going to be able to get food? Are they going to get back on track? Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, you know, this saves us three meals a day if I, you know, start doing this every now and then. So I tried it, got to the end of the night and I sat on the couch and I just felt so content and so calm. And I also had drank a ton of water because that's your best bet at, you know, kind of curbing the, the hunger. And also then you're finally hydrating probably the level you're supposed to every day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I felt so good. And I told my wife, I was like, I wonder if it's that belief that our gut is kind of like the second brain, uh, which I've heard so many times, but I was always like, I don't really know what that means. But, you know, people say our our gut is like the size of most animals' brains. (laughs) Like it can function in such a way that it has so much work that it has to do. It has to be a smart... uh, uh, part of our body then people call it like the second brain and I told her I was like I wonder if I just feel this sense of clarity and calm right now because I've emptied I fully emptied out this other brain this gut brain right to where it that it doesn't it's not cluttered with with so many things and you think about like the food that you eat and what it, how it affects you and how it can affect you emotionally. When people say when you're eating the hormones of other animals and they talk to you about the, you know, how that can be effective, you know, I, I, I never get into the debate of vegan or vegetarian or meat eaters. You know, I, I eat meat, but if someone said the hormones of those animals does affect you mentally, I would go, yeah, I could, I could believe that. Because a lot of times you eat stuff and you're like, ah, I want to take a nap. You know, as my buddy... Rick Wagey from college, who was like, you're not supposed to eat food and then want to go to sleep. That's like putting gas in your car so that it can't run. He's like, it's fuel. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's like, you're point. supposed to eat food to, cont- to then use the energy. He's like, so you know you're eating healthy if you 
eat food and then you're fucking fired up. He's like, then you know you're eating right. You're energized, yeah. I, I yeah. look at it too. I've done some fasting too over the years. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I like the concept of it giving your body a break. Like it's a cellular cleanse. It's like your body's yes. like, all right, can you just put water in us and keep give us me hydrated? Can you let me have a moment? Can yeah. you give me a breath? You know, and I think I'm like, yeah, that would make complete sense. Like, why, why am I always giving my body and stomach stuff to do? Like, it's yes, it's, a it, it's, I, like, it's like paperwork. It's like they have a desk full of paperwork <laughs> and we just keep adding paperwork. Here you go. And it's mm. like, you know, if you just stop paperwork for one day, I could get rid of all this paperwork and I'd boy, totally you feel it. <laughs> You'd be caught up. I totally be caught yeah. up. I would totally be ready for more files. Uh, I've been doing intermittent fasting. Uh, and that, as opposed to a full day of fasting, which I kind of want to do every now and then, cause I do believe it's just absolutely great. But the intermittent fasting of like starting to eat at 11 and done by 7 PM also feels great to let your body get everything sorted out for, you know, what is that? 18 hours or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is, uh, is, uh, or 16 hours, I guess. Is- yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the, the, uh, I think that's a great way to benefit. If anyone is listening is, is slightly curious, you will have so much energy and you will be more motivated to eat healthy when your stomach is empty. That's the, mm. when your stomach is absolutely empty, a chocolate sundae is the last thing you want to eat. Yeah. But you were like, th- give me an apple. <laughs> well, the other thing too, is I, I don't know if this happened for you, but I had a new appreciation for food then too, once I had it, like I wasn't as yeah. just put, bury your head down on a plate and just woof it down. I'm like, I'm about to have food. Like I'm about to have whatever it was. I, it, it tasted more flavorful when I did have it. I appreciated it more. Your pace. Yeah. I slowed It felt down. more ceremonial, right? Yeah. It was kind I of think nuts. that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You just don't take it for granted anymore. You're like, Oh yeah. Like this can go away for whatever yes. reason, whether you choose it or life presents a certain situation where you just don't have it anymore. It's like, yeah. yeah, you should be taking a moment to taste everything you're eating and question everything you're eating on top of that. Right. So the gratitude of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, that's a game changer for sure. All right. I want to change gears. Cause I watched episode one last night of Robbie, sir. Yeah. It's not called, it's not called Robbie, sir. It's called Robbie. <laughs> it's on comedy central's YouTube uh, channel. Dude, really, really funny. Really. Thanks funny. man. Thank you. And uh, it felt, I don't know how, if you're going to see this as a compliment or not, but I will throw it out there anyway. Nope. I'm already deeply offended. Already out. <laughs> it gave me, uh, it, it reminded me a little bit, and it's not similar in many ways, but for some reason, it reminded me of um, Ed. Do you remember Ed with Tom Cavanaugh? Oh, no. I, I remember it. I didn't like uh, watch like, it, but I he, know. Yeah. yeah. So he, he was like, you know, the quirky lawyer who worked out of a bowling alley and whatever. And yeah. Your, your characters aren't the same at all, but it, it made me feel like there's a bit of a, a, a home cozy feel, you know, yeah. kind of going on there. Everyone's, everyone's, there's some quirkiness going on, obviously, but it had that kind of vibe for me somehow. I don't know how. Yeah. When we pitched it, our goal was to make a funny Friday Night Lights I don't know if you ever watched that show, but we, we were like, Oh, you know, you really feel this I mean, even though they shot it in Austin, you just really feel this town of Dylan. And I, there was something, uh, I I love that show so much that I was like, when this idea came up and to do something with this character and knowing that that character I play is Southern, I was just like, Oh man, a Friday night lights, but the funny version, even if it was shot the same way, but to be a comedy, 
would be so fun uh, to make. So that was our starting point that we were trying to uh, get to. And then, uh, you know, we, I, I think that, that, that coziness, that home, home part of it, like really feeling that town is totally attributed to how good our, our DP was. I mean, he, he knew how to really capture uh, those, uh, just those, those shots, those scenes to really make it feel like you were there and it was intimate and it really was a small Southern uh, town. It definitely, he, I mean, I wouldn't have even known how to describe it. You know, I think all I ever said to him was like, I really want to feel the Southern breeze when we're shooting something outside because it's just that's where I grew up and I understand what it feels like but I couldn't really describe it and he somehow got it and it it, I feel it every time I watch it it makes me so happy well it's interesting because now you say that I didn't know originally that I was shot in Austin but I've been to Austin and I've been to Texas and you're right there's like a certain I don't know what you call it. Well, not our, our, not our show, but Friday Night Lights. Oh, being Friday Night Lights, yeah, shot in Austin. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. But what, but, I mean, the vibe of like, like when you're in Texas in general too, and in the South, it's like, there's the heat factor. There's kind of a, <laughs> yes. it's almost like, it's almost like you have a blanket around you all the time, but you're free to move. <laughs> that you don't, don't need. Times, that you don't really need. <laughs> yeah. At times you'd like to take off. But, um, so tell me about the origin of this whole thing. So Robbie, somewhat insecure. Let's say somewhat insecure. <laughs> somewhat, yeah, the most minimal amount. <laughs> where does this um, Where does this idea come from? Because you're you're an executive producer. Your wife Jordan yeah. is, is in the show as well. Tell me the Tell yeah. me how this whole thing starts up. Well, we I, I've been trying to pitch show ideas forever, and uh, you, you probably maybe experienced the same thing where you 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 come up with so many ideas that you kind of forget to just pitch what you already know and to pitch like what you already you know it's so it's so thrilling when a joke when you find when you write a joke where you're like oh that's been there the whole time because i do that every day but instead our brains are like what's this other thing that doesn't even relate to me that's funny look over Um, here um, yeah sure that is Robbie. I've been doing, I think since like 2008 or 2009, as uh, I got to a point in LA where I, I was visiting LA, I think, and I did not have any new material for a long time. I was in just like a drought of new jokes. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll go up as a character and I'll just tell the old jokes and that'll be something different and that like cracked my brain open i was just like oh my god this if it's through this filter of this guy i can tell the exact same jokes and it it's not the same joke for whatever reason so i became obsessed with doing that character a lot and my buddy scott moran who's also a co-creator of the show and directs one of the episodes he was always like um you know, I, he got to a point where he's like, you should really try to pitch something with that character. And I was like, oh yeah, what am I talking about? So we tried to create a world for this guy. Uh, we went to Gary Sanchez, uh, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay's production company. And they were, they were into it. We, we worked with Owen Burke and Betsy Koch over there and they, they got it. They, I've known them for a long time and they've wanted to do something and we wanted to do something with them. And they got this, this, character and so from that point all we had to build was the world that he lives in and again I had to learn that lesson of like well just write what you know quit trying to I mean originally I had pitched ideas of this guy wanting to be a detective because I love detective shit 
right. probably <laughs> anyone who's seen me live is like, yeah, he always has a detective bit. He clearly <laughs> wishes to God he could be a detective, but a movie type detective, not a real detective where no. it's horrifically bad. Um, but I, yeah, we, we were like, what's his job? And we had this thing where he was maybe trying to be a movie star stuff that maybe could have been funny, but, for the most part for an audience doesn't really live in a grounded uh, reality. And so, you know, I was like, well, I played church league basketball. Another character I always love doing is this coach character. So I just kind of took the elements of that. And I was like, what if these are his dreams and goals? And he finds out he has a kid and the whole story just kind of explodes from there, but that's not the whole story. It's not just like, Oh yeah. And then he's always learning to be a father. Cause I just feel like sometimes you get, you get trapped tonally and telling this one thing like, yeah. Oh, we got to make sure he's learning. It's like, well, what if, you know, he finds out he has a kid, but that's really just adding a layer of another character in his life as opposed to this overwhelming lesson. And then we dip in and out of him learning or trying to be a better guy. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it was a lot of massaging all that, all that I just described, we really didn't have right away. We just wrote the pilot. And then, you know, once the show got picked up is when we were like, all right, well, what is this bigger world? I will say as a creator of the show, it is cool to, to get to, you know, I'm learning to be an actor. I think I'm good at it, but I know for a fact I am now definitely better at it when I have created the right. character because I eliminate my personal doubt and I eliminate the fear that I'm letting someone down by not playing the role the way they pictured it. Game changer. Um, Game changer. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And that's one thing I've loved about the whole process is like, it made stepping into work so fun because I would tell the other actors too, like, you know, let's get, let's get the lines, let's get some of the jokes, but like, fuck around, say a thing that's not that like, if it's just there, just do it. Like yeah. I, I can improvise with it and we can, you know, maybe it doesn't work, but if it does and it's funnier, then we'll leave that in there. Like trying to create that loose, you know, expectation. Yeah, it's so weird. And I think it's interesting that you would have that feel now too, because you're wearing more hats, obviously on this, this show. And I mean, you can get caught up in the business side of things and what we're doing and budgets and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to enjoy the just basic creative part of it and the performance part of it and being in the moment with that as well. And it's, it's not easy to do if you're wearing all those hats. Like if you're going to yeah. go back behind the camera then and go, okay, play that back. It's like, okay. And you're going to go back out in front again. Like that flicking back and forth can steal the enjoyment out of it for you in any capacity. You know, yeah. you, you can't fully appreciate it as the creative on the other side of the camera and you can't fully enjoy it on the other side when you're performing because you're always yeah. thinking about the other thing. Er, early on, I, I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, because I can do that. I can be, when it comes to these things, I can be a control freak about all these things. But I, I kind of learned when I shot my first special with Scott Moran, uh, I was being a control freak because, and and you know this, like it's our stand-up. You know, that you know, you suffer through for two or three years. That's a long time um, to then be like, all right, and now whoever, this this other person, decide what it should be. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't let that go, despite the fact it was with a very close friend of mine directing it, who knows me and knows, you know, I've known him, I, I think, uh, 
maybe two more months longer than I've known you. Like I've right. known him for a very, a very <laughs> long time. And it's like, oh, I, I, so we shot that and I realized that I didn't love how my set went and I didn't love how the performances went because I was so caught up in the whole thing. And after that, I was like, you know what? My department is to step in front of this camera and to crush it. And I feel like that first special, I think everyone did their job. And I feel like I'm the one that came in. I think it's fine. I really love that special. But I feel like I came in as the weak link when the job was done. And so for the next special, I was like, you know what? If someone's going to be a weak link, that's just what it is. If something fucks up, that's just what it is. I'm going to step in and I'm going to do the performance. I'm only going to focus on that. I have no say. I trust Scott completely with the angles and knowing what he wants to get out of this, that I'm just going to go in and give the performance. And I'll tell you what, like, and this does relate to Robbie, but it, I step back and I love, I can watch that special so many times because I know how hard I worked at making sure that hour was there, that when I stepped out to do it, it felt so effortless and, and fun. And Robbie was like that too. I'm glad I learned that lesson with my specials. Cause when I stepped into Robbie, I said, you know what? I think unless somebody's really fucking up and it does happen, mm-hmm. then I've got to be a producer with the other producers to have the powwow, to figure out the problem and see what's going on. But for the most part, I was like, you know what? If somebody's telling me what's going on, they know what's going on. And if the, the camera's saying, hey, move like this, I don't have any beef with it. I want to step in and I want people going, oh man, that was a fun scene to watch. Oh man, you guys were really funny. This is working really well. And I didn't see like takes and stuff. So if the showrunner, Anthony, if he felt good about it, and the director, whoever, whoever that would be, Payman or Scott or Anu, if, if they liked it, um, I was like, then great, then great. I trust that you, we all know how to do our jobs. And if we get in the editing bay and some, we got to find out then that someone didn't know how to do their job, well, then that's when we found out. But I'm going to make sure my department is, is covered. It's funny, yeah, it's interesting because you said, you mentioned trust a bunch of times. And that's the thing I realized on our show too is that at the end of the day, there's so many hands that are going to touch this project and each episode. So yeah, at the end of the day, I can only do my performance. And then in terms of what they're going to use for graphics and editing right. and what take they're going to take from what we just did and the angles they're going to use. Like you have to trust other creatives in the room or in the process that they're also doing their job to the best of their ability. And you're not going to have perfect days and they're not going to have perfect days either. But at the end of the day, you hope it all washes out and that you make the best thing. And you might not always agree with what the end product was or that shot or whatever. Yeah. But it drags it out. If you're like, I want to see that again. I want to like, if everyone's getting that input all the time, I mean, things just drag on. It drains the energy. People start questioning their own ability and they don't feel like they're trusted now. And so the whole morale of the place can really drop and lower. So it's, it is a hard thing, but it's a hard thing to let go of when you feel like, this is your, yeah. this is, if this is something that, you know, is your baby, you want it to be displayed in a way that, that uh, honors it, you know? Yeah, it's true. That's, I, and that's where we, I, when we would work on the, the scripts, and now I, ju- I only wrote the pilot with Anthony, but, you know, Anthony King is like running the room and the writers are, are working with him and everybody's breaking story and stuff. And that's really the only time I could go, this doesn't feel like the thing, or I'd be like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's explore uh, that for the most part, uh, there was little rejection of anything. Cause I was pretty much into 
everything that that people were throwing at me and also it was another element of being being like you know i haven't really thought out what this show is so if someone's got a story i and it seems like it would be fun to be in that story and you can kind of explain to me how robbie screws himself because it's my character screwing himself over all the time Mm -hmm. uh by trying to be a dick about getting an advantage for himself uh so when someone can explain to me here's how he fucks it up and here's how he kind of feels bad or kind of learns something uh and then at the end that's this is where we land if that's if that path seems like it's fun i'm all into it and it's i think maybe being in other people's stuff kind of gets you there i mean i've been in a lot of stuff where you know you try to improvise something if they let you and then you watch the final cut and they don't really leave any of that (laughs) stuff in and you go oh i didn't really get to i don't feel like i really popped into a thing and then you just go oh you know what that's that i i they didn't hire me to fucking make the winning shot they hired me to inbounds the ball and you just kind of start to learn that everything is (laughs) i don't know if you're like this everything is like a sports analogy for me (laughs) But being like, but but also being like, and looking at it going, yeah, you know, inbound, doing the inbounds is also very important. Yeah. Um, despite the fact throughout history, we might forget who that person was that threw the ball in, but it doesn't make it less uh, important. And then uh, I think because of that, it kind of, it kind of makes you sometimes be in a project where they do want you to shoot the buzzer shot and you kind of wish you were just inbounds doing the inbounds. <laughs> exactly. But then, if, but then if they, the guy who takes the final shot misses, you're like, God, I got him. I'm glad I'm, I inbounded that ball. I'm so, so glad, glad I was, yeah. so glad I wasn't a guy shooting that thing. Cause I'm so woo-hoo. glad I got benched this whole game. Oh God. I'm so glad I tore my Achilles because that was, that was way up. You know, shooting the shooting stuff with uh, the Grolix guys for their show, those who can't, you know, really taught me that too. Like, I it wasn't like I had say in what a cut was or anything, but you know, I would step on and and I would try to do a scene as funny as I could possibly do it, and they would laugh and people would laugh. I mean, we would all be laughing at each other because it was just such a fun, like silly, stupid (laughs) world these characters (laughs) lived in. But you know, then you just walk away and you go, "All right, they said that was good." So now it's whatever. It's like you say, you don't know what graphics are going to go up. You don't know what, what, and also when they have to cut for time. Oh, dude. And you oh, but I did this really funny thing. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't trump the fact that this has to end at 22 to one. <laughs> like it just has, it has <laughs> yeah. to. All these yeah. factors, right? So yeah, um, I want to get back into the stand-up special thing real quick, because I think I've never heard anyone actually talk about what we were touching on there. Yeah. Because when I did my first special, it was self-produced and I want to do my second one now and I want to, but I have a whole new perspective on it now because when I did the first one, I went out, I find the venue, I do the marketing for it. I've been working on this hour for a bunch of years. I want to finally get it out there. I got to worry about ticket sales. I got to hire the crew. Like it was all gorilla done. Do you know what I mean? And and so when I look back on it, I'm really, in a lot of ways, I'm really proud of it because I'm like, man, I, I did that from nothing. I had you know, right. these ideas and I made it and then I made this thing and then we put it out in the world. And it was, and it was full on you. Like yeah. there's something so gratifying about that. But, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I went, man, I, I did that. I didn't even realize I could do that, you know, but you're right. I, um, remember, I remember walking on stage that night and, uh, and feeling that pressure because we just were doing the one show. 
So of course now I'm like, I gotta get this, Ooh. you know what I mean? Like such a, yeah. I put all these eggs in the one basket and I'm like walking on stage with the weight of the world of all these decisions I've made and did I hire the right camera people? And should I have got another camera? And I, know I shouldn't be in that headspace when I'm up there delivering jokes in front of a live audience. And so you need to go through that though. Like you need to have at least one or two of those under your belt to go, Yes. okay, that's what I wouldn't do next time or I'd do it totally. this way next time, right? So it's a great lesson for comics who are looking to do their first special. I agree. I think it's a... I, I think it's a huge benefit to learn production and know what it takes and learn what a budget is, not necessarily how to concoct one and not necessarily learn uh, uh, what to do with the budget even, but to learn what it is and how it affects everything. Um, even in script writing, uh, when, you're, when you have to ditch a joke or you have to ditch a whole piece in a scene because it's just not feasible and it's too expensive mm -hmm. uh, to get. I mean, shooting on this show alone, we had to operate around kids' schedules where the kids would sometimes have to go to school. They would have to stop. They would have to go to another room and they would have to have school with a teacher. And that affects your schedule, which affects your budget. The whole thing is the, the schedule and the, the budget. And I think learning that is what makes it easier to identify that you don't want to be focusing on those things when you've got to deliver uh, the product. I think it's a, a great, great lesson to have. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of comics that step in and they don't give two shits about the production. And sometimes right. if they've hired the right team, then that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then sometimes you see a really great comic with a really poorly produced special that has, it's not interesting at all. And it's, it breaks your heart because they're so good and the jokes are so good. And sometimes they're so good. You can fight through <laughs> the yeah, fact yeah. that it's not a, a good production, but it teaches you to, and, and again, I go to soccer all the time. Like I learned how to play my position. And I said, at the end of the game, no one's going to go. My position was, was killing us. Right. No one's going to be like, Rory, the guy you were marking was, was destroying us. I'm going to go, nope, I'm not going to let that be job. the case. And then you just start to get in that mind frame with everything else where you go, if everyone just shows up and does their job, we should fucking win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't worry about anybody else. And you're right that like on our show, because we make multiple sketches a day with the turnaround time of like hair, wardrobe, makeup. Yeah. And then, you know, you got to get to certain locations. So you're doing sometimes... Mm -hmm. I can be in like three, four sketches a day. Some of them might be on set. Some of them might be in a curling rink. Like you could be anywhere. We only have two to three hours to shoot each thing. So yeah. you don't have a lot of time to do multiple takes and to like, we have to go yeah. like a couple of times this way. And set up a lot of people. Right. Yeah. We got it good. Moving on to the next thing. So you realize like nothing's precious and like, like guys got to get their break and we got to get all this shit packed up and we got to get back to the studio because we're doing this green screen thing with whatever. Like, yeah. So at the end of the day, you learn to let go of it and come in prepared to do the best job you can. And then some days yeah. you feel like you crushed it. And other days you're like, nah, I would like another swing at that. But that's yeah. part of that process. But I think you're right. For performers to then get around the back and see the production side, I think it just helps you. It helps you writing and going, what can be made? What's realistic to be yeah. made dollars-wise and time-wise? That's a great idea. Yeah. It's hilarious. 
we don't have time for a car chase around Los Angeles. We right. don't have the budget. We can't get streets closed <laughs> yes. off. No, no, but it's crucial to the, the plot twist. And you're like, like, rewrite it. You've got to rewrite it. That's the challenge. You've got to rewrite it because there's no, it just will not happen. We can't do it. We can't yeah. do it. You know? Man, there's nothing better than, than you know hearing that they're turning the cameras around and you're like, oh, we're a little bit ahead of... <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, they're already turning around to get the other angle. You're immediately like, oh, we're going to do it. But nice. yeah, I used to step onto sets and I'd be like, yeah, let's get it. So I can, you know, get out, get out of here and I can get to do the other thing. And with, with my show, it, which I was in everything, but maybe two scenes or something. I don't know what it, I was in most of the everything. So I was constantly there and you're also a producer. So you're, you're kind of debating when you can step away and have some time to yourself. Yeah. But it taught me how to just surrender to the time and say, this day is not 12 hours. Just know that you're not in this for 12 hours today. You're in this for two months or, you know, a month and a half, whatever production was. I think we were six weeks or something. But you step in and you just go, that's how long this is. It's not 12 hours. So when you go home, you're going to be tired. You're going to shower. You're going to get in bed. You're going to wake up at 5 a.m. and you're going to go right back and you're going to be there again. So you just start to when they're like, yeah, we got to set up this shot. You know, I'd go sit in a chair and I go, great. You, you let me know when we're good, when we're going, as opposed to being like, come on, let's get it. You know, that let someone else be concerned about the, the pace kind of thing. Yeah. Well, dude, it's, it's so important too, because like our show shoots over six months, right? We have breaks, but there's like, you know, six months you're in each other's back pockets. So yeah, like morale and, everyone feeling energized and feeling like they're supported and valued. Like I realize how important that is on a set in general. I don't care what, yeah. if your craft services to like, you're one of the cast members, it's like everyone's got to feel good about what they're doing and they yes. feel their contribution. Exactly. That it's being yeah. like, Hey, I, I'm valued here. And this thing that I do is really, really fucking important. And yeah. here's why. And people are recognizing that like to me. And it's funny cause I'll make the soccer parallel now is that, I've always felt that way in teams. It's like everyone has got to feel a part of this thing or yes. it'll crack, it'll break yeah. or someone's unhappy. And it's like, then we're not doing what we say we're doing. Like Mentality. Every, exactly. And I feel sets are the exact same way. Like, you know, I think almost a hundred people help make our show from, like I said, graphics to marketing to whatever, like, and you don't always have close contact with those people because you're in right. your own little bubble and world. And it's something I've just appreciated more and more over the years of being on the show is just that, that camaraderie and that appreciation for every single person who's doing what they're doing. Right. Yeah. You know, it's cool because it's, it's, it's cool. And people have, you know, people have kids and wives and husbands and they they're given their time and they have parents who are sick or whatever. It's like, and they're choosing to be here. Like, okay, like let's, let's all feel good at the end of the yeah. day. You know, it's the best, it's the best mentality for a set. Uh, I think is to make sure everyone's enjoying what the job is. You know, people are going to be sweating and it isn't easy. And there's like a lot of hard stuff that people gotta, gotta do. But you know, when you, when you make sure that the crew and the cast and everybody's happy and having fun, I mean, people see that when they watch the show, they yeah. feel that they go, Oh, there's a good vibe there. It's like, yeah. Cause you can bottle up that vibe yeah. to then show people. You know, it's one of the best things about being on the, our show is that, you know, there's a lot of extras that come in for different parts during the year. And then when I see them outside somewhere or talk later, they go like, man, this is like the most fun to just come on the set <laughs> yeah. and just to be part of what you guys are doing and what goes on in between takes. 
And I feel like that's the greatest testament of the show is that that environment feels good to be in. And I think it does translate into the work. But the other thing too, and it sounds cliche, but I think it's so true and you've heard it a thousand times too, whether you're a comedian or an actor or you're in the industry in some capacity, like just being a good person is going <laughs> yes. to get you hired. Like if you're capable of doing your job and you're also not a dick, like yeah. it's amazing how like, yeah, people think of you when something comes up because they're like, yes. that person can do the job, but also they're great to be around. They bring a great energy, you know? Like yeah. you must see that all the time. When someone's a dick, I can't understand it. Not Not for the sense of like, like if you're a dick, why not pretend to be a nice person just knowing that's going to get you? You know what I mean? Yeah. When I see Fake someone it. just openly be a dick, I mean, look at people who make it and they really make it in terms of, you know, whatever your definition of making it is, but in the cliche version of making it, they have fame and they have fortune and they've pulled it off. And then you find out that they're assholes and you're like, ah, they this isn't going to end great. This is going to no. be, this no. is going to be a sad ending for them because yeah. it, and it, and you see it all the fucking time because suddenly they're not in demand anymore and they have to go through that humility of like, well, yeah, you, if you were nice, you might be in demand longer, but also even if you weren't in demand, other people would go, yeah, but let's work with them, you know? Right. And they, to, to see people be, when I see comics just being dicks to other comics, I'm just always like, why that, why that would be so unfun. <laughs> It'd be so oh, yeah. unfun when your job is just to be fun. Like I know. I, and what, and what I've learned too is that like, <laughs> yeah. when you get in this job, I feel like if I had met that person, the dick, I automatically would have been like, that guy's, that guy's dead to me kind of thing, whatever. And now when I see it, I think total insecurity. That person yeah, oh, 100%. is so insecure and feels like they're not getting what they deserve and that other people are getting ahead of them and they're afraid it's not going to happen for them. Yeah. And you can could, you could smell it. Like it's yeah. like it's the minute they walk in the room, that's what I see now instead of that, like, that guy's such a, like, I don't go to that anger level right away. I go to <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Dude, you, you need a hug? Do you need it's a hug? It's more is peaceful. It? It's more yeah. peaceful. Or, or do you need some mushrooms? Because yeah, I mean, yeah. if you took some, <laughs> one day you're going to come out, you're going to be like, man, I'm wasting a lot of time with my insecurities. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I, I sit in the chair like every day on the show and like, you know, you get makeup done or whatever. I like to quiz the girls who do like the, the hair and makeup and stuff. I go like, so who's, uh, who's the worst person you ever worked for? They always like, they'll look around first, you know, like, let me tell you something. I was on the set of whatever. They, they start yeah, revealing yeah, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm of like, course. Yeah, that, yeah. that shit matters. Like that yeah. stuff. It, oh, it, people don't forget. No, they don't. They're like, whoever treated them horribly, they never yeah. forget. But the same is all, the opposite is also true. Someone was great. They'll sing there. Even when you ask who the shitty person was, they'll tell you that person. But then they'll go, but do you know who was awesome? And they, they automatically want to add it <laughs> into that circle because they don't want to just focus on the shit. Of course. They want to yeah, know, yeah, yeah. no, but I had a really good one and here's who it was. And yeah. I realize that now when you're in such close quarters with people, like that's just that human interaction. I don't care what job it is. People want to feel good about themselves. They want to yeah. feel respected and valued. And no one wants to be yelled at. No one wants to be treated like they're, you know. <laughs> I know. Everyone just wants to be like, look, we're all here. 
Let's all yeah. calm down. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know you were recording right now. I won't yeah. cough again. You're yeah. goddamn right. All right. What do you think action means? All right. <laughs> I thought you meant just do action. I just started doing things. I thought you meant everything. I thought you meant do something. <laughs> so I started singing. I'm sorry. That's my go-to. <laughs> I go? What's my default? Um, yeah. All right, dude. Well, I guess I got to uh, wrap this thing up. Uh, congrats on Robbie. Really, really funny. I wish Thank you. Much success with this thing. I hope uh, the family are doing well as well there. I hope you're all good. Yeah, everybody's good. I'm hoping, Robbie, it, I, it, for any any listeners of uh, of Trent Show who, who live in Canada, you're going to go, you know what? I'm going to check that show out. It's not... It's, you're not going to find it on YouTube in Canada or Europe just yet. It's going to be there. I don't know how these things work. I think I went there's. To, they, I, went to, I just went to Comedy Central's YouTube channel, and boom, there it was up here. So maybe maybe it's there now. Yeah. I don't know. But there's this you know international sales that they do, mm-hmm. and I would tell you it's fucking bullshit. Here's how you steal the show. But I recently <laughs> learned I get financial gain from this international sale. <laughs> That I was unaware. Suddenly, morals. So now, yeah. So now, my attitude is: sit back, just wait. It'll be there. It won't cost you anything, but somebody will have to pay for it, and then you can have it for free, and I get to have some of that money. So it'll, (laughs) it'll be there. I just, uh, I just really would. I love money. I love it. (laughs) Need it. Need some in my life. I need it. I lied earlier. I gotta buy stuff, man. I miss buying stuff. More shit. I want more shit in my life. Now. <laughs> the real Rory's Cole, everybody. That's right. Real Thank Rory's you so Cole. much. Well, dude, take care of yourself. Hopefully, uh, I will either get to LA at some point or you can get up here to the old the old north again. Oh, I'll probably move up there. We'll see how the election goes in November. <laughs> yeah, dude. Borders are closed as of right now. But, I know. Uh, we, can't, we can't bust through. We can't break in now. Got to skydive my family in. I'll see what we can do. I'll have to, I'll have to figure something out. See if we can uh, zoom you in somehow. Yeah, some yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, buddy. Cool. Take care. Good talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. That was my sit-down with Mr. Rory Scoville, who is in Los Angeles, California, done through the magic that is known as Zoom. Um, Always good to catch up with Rory, and uh, he's a good dude. I don't get to see him very much anymore, obviously, especially because I'm not allowed to leave the country, and nor is he. But uh, even when we were allowed, I'll be honest, that's not even an excuse because you know, you live in two different countries and, you know, you have separate careers and lives and you don't see each other much anymore. So that's uh, unfortunate, but he's an awesome, awesome guy. And uh, like I said, so happy for his success. He's, he works very, very hard. And like I said, he's just a good dude. So deserves all that comes his way, all the good things. Um, Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. I appreciate everybody who has been uh, making an effort to, to listen to the podcast and share it and give it a, a, um, a review and people who have been subscribing and sharing the information about it. Um, like I said, I just keep getting guests and, and sitting down and having these conversations. So uh, more episodes coming. I appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Be smart. 
and uh, be nice, hey? Be nice, be kind, be hopeful, find a way to laugh, make other people laugh, do what you love, eat some chocolate. You know what I mean? Good things. Enjoy your life, okay? You can still enjoy your life in many ways, okay? So try and do that. All right, have a great week. Thanks again. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.